You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast for all things communication, advertising, and marketing. I'm your host, Ted Lau, award-winning agency owner, podcaster, and full-time dad. Today, we have Grace Ayub. Grace is a managing director for Accenture's consumer goods and retail industry based in Montreal. Prior to that, she was with KPMG for over a decade. Grace has been advising customers on their organization's performance for close to 30 years now, and at Accenture focuses on clients in the retail, transportation, and consumer goods space. She's especially passionate about helping Canadian companies grow and shine on a global scale. In her role, she leverages the power of close to 500,000 global Accenture professionals to shape the future by turning innovative solutions into results. Also, she has two kids in their 20s who apparently are teaching her about marketing trends now. So welcome, Grace. Very nice to be here, Ted. Nice to speak to you. So normally we start our interviews just kind of getting a sense of our guests and their origin story. So maybe you could help us understand a little bit about your travels and how you got here. My travels. So I'm Lebanese originally. I was born in Lebanon. So when the war started in Lebanon, we actually moved many places. We moved to Denmark first and then Spain and then ended up in Canada and haven't left here since I was 13 so proud Canadian, grew up here in school, got my kids here who tell me that they are true Quebecers and Canadians as well. So. That's great. So then you must speak a plethora of languages, given that four, you're four, four languages. Spanish, Francais, Arabic, and uh, English. So That's great. That's yeah. great. And I have well, accents in each one. So <laughs> you, you have accent in each one. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. So then, you know, really interesting to hear about your take at Accenture and, you know, your role in the company, given there's so much conversation around supply chain issues, retail having such a crazy roller coaster 18, 19 months now. What's your take on this whole thing and where we're all going? Yeah, it's very interesting to see what's happening because consumer goods companies overall and even retailers, I mean, it's been truly challenging for them, whether it's been openings, closings for many companies as well, when you talk about them supplying, not just uh, to consumers, people like you and I, but even to restaurants and to other companies, B2Bs. So it's been truly, they've had to adapt. If there's one thing that we've learned is they've had to adapt. If you look at to where consumers have gone, which is where our most recent research is showing, Consumers have really changed that with what's happening in the pandemic, and that's why clients have had to adapt. What we've seen is that consumers no longer have the same values that they did before. So before they used to focus on, okay, is this product good quality? Is it a good price? Am I getting a good deal? Now, because of what we've lived during the pandemic, they've really changed their values. So They're caring more about companies, what they stand for, their values, their ethics. They're caring about the climate. They're caring about health and safety, right? We all know that, right? When we go into a store, is it, does it look safe? Does it look clean? Oh, I won't go if it doesn't. So 
what we found is that consumers have changed a lot and that's where organizations have had to change a lot. And so then when it comes to marketing message, how do you how do you advise your your clients on that shift? Because it's been fairly, well, I guess in the bigger picture, fairly rapid, right? And when you're talking about ethics and values, certainly that is a conversation that we've had over and over again with many of our guests. But when you're dealing with you know, some of Canada's largest companies, how do they pivot? Because they're not as, you know, they're probably not as nimble as a smaller, smaller organization. They have many, many things that they have to, you know, things in the irons in the fire, as it were. And so how do you advise on that? So I would say you have to pivot your brand and how you communicate with consumers, first of all. So if you're doing things that are great on health and safety, for example, for your employees, whether you have plants and you're taking care of them and you're doing COVID testing, you do want to somehow showcase in all your messaging that you're taking care of your employees and that you're taking care of your consumers as well. So you have to shift a little bit the messaging and your branding. In terms of other things that you've got to shift as well is service, personal care, as you know. Right now, many of us have been shopping online a lot. So we tend to want to pick up the phone and say, hey, where's my product? Hey, I'm not happy. How do I return it? So all those things that the digital channels that people weren't used to it before, they've had to adapt their service for those channels. Uh, convenience. I always say, and this has been ever since COVID hit, that's been really, really big for consumers and companies to adapt. I want to be able to shop maybe in a store, but go back home and order it and then have it delivered here. Or maybe I do want to shop here, but then go pick it up at the store. They want all this flexibility and convenience, and they got used to having a lot of things available too. So I used to shop, for example, for, for furniture, and I only had my local stores here. So I used to go to the store. Okay, if a chair's not there, I can't buy it. Now I can get online and I can say, oh, my gosh, there are 3,000 chair models. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my wife's doing, doing that right now. She's, we're building because of COVID. We're building yeah. an office for her in the basement. And, you know, she's online incessantly about this couch and that chair and that desk. Yeah. She hasn't left the house. we haven't left the house so that whole convenience we learned so much even for people of different ages what we found is that all of them regardless of age we used to say oh only the young ones used to shop digitally what we're finding is the reimagined consumer as we're calling it at Accenture Mm -hmm. regardless of their age they really want convenience too and they're shopping very differently Things like product origin, even if I'm shopping online, I would, I like to see where is that product made? Is it local? Am I encouraging my local business? So is it coming from China? So I would want to see, am I encouraging people here in Quebec? So I would tend to have a preference for somebody who is local and that I know I'm encouraging a local business. So the reimagined consumers, as we're calling them, are all saying, I do want to encourage local, my local community, if I can as well. So trust, reputation, all those things are now new. So in addition to quality and price, all those new values, and we tested about 80 values, 80 motivations, 
80 motivators and the five I just spoke to you about, which are health and safety, service, convenience, origin, trust, are really the five that came across as brand new motivational factors for our consumers. So to advice to any business, pay attention to those five. And if you're doing well at those five, make it known. I have clients who are amazing companies ethically who are doing super great in all those five areas. And instead of saying, hey, I've got a great product, you now got to say, hey, I care about the health of my employees. Hey, I'm making it convenient for you. Hey, I'm an ethical company. So you got to change your speech as a company. You got to market towards values and identity for what people care about. Rather than just, yeah, I've got a great product. Look how great it is. Absolutely. Now, you're overseeing a lot of Quebec, but also a lot of your portfolios across Canada. Yeah, and global. As, and yeah. global. And, and so now, you know, we, we know as, as Canadians that, you know, there's the, the Quebecois nation and, and there's definitely differences we celebrate. I wanted to understand, are there differences, you know, like in, in terms of, marketing within Quebec, marketing across Canada, like other than the language, is there anything more or less distinct that as marketers we should consider if we're entering that market? Yeah, I think, I mean, the the values remain the same. If there's one thing that our studies show, and we did this study in 25,000 people, 22 countries, the trend and the values of what I just spoke to you about, motivators remain the same. Now, of course, when you're marketing, the more local you can market, the better it is, right? And we always say Quebecers tend to respond to the different things. This particular study that we didn't isolate Quebecers versus Canadians, so I only have Canadian data. So I can tell you Canadian data tends to be uniform. Okay. And then so in terms of local, how do you define that? Is it a kilometer from my house? Is it within the province? Is it within a particular region in Canada or is just Canadian is good enough? Is there a, is there a distinction there for your consumers? Mm-hmm. We didn't really isolate to be able to say what does local really mean to you? And I think local means different things to different people, right? For you, if you live in a particular city, you might really care local to you might mean your city. For others, it might mean my country, right? For me, It's even broader than that because we serve global customers who have headquarters in Canada. So to me, local to me is, am I helping a company who's headquartered here, but the product might be manufactured elsewhere, yet still the money is coming back to Canada somehow. So local definition depends on the person. My definition is very, very broad. Others could be, is it the neighbor next door, right? And do you think this is going to change much in terms of like, all the fact, you know, globalization, you know, the fact that I think, well, in our pre-call, we were talking about, you know, our kids influencing our, our marketing yeah. insights. Yeah. And so my daughter is a preteen and McDonald's earlier in the year had this international special with BTS, this Korean boy band group. I know nothing other than the fact that they're a Korean boy band and they like McNuggets and they had a Korean chili sauce. But anyway, so my point is that like globalization is here and sure, there is that desire to support local but how do we square that circle when it comes to big global phenomenons and, and the fact that, you know, I still want product from other parts of the country if it is something that serves me? How do we square that? Yeah, 
I think it's always going to be balanced between the two, right? You do want the product if you're a fan of a boy band in Korea, obviously, you need the knickknacks from Korea if you want to write it <laughs> or whatever. But overall, I would say during the pandemic, this move to buying local, caring local is accentuated. So whereas before it might have been, I don't care as much where it comes from, as long as it's what I want. It's really accentuated this, am I helping my community and people around me? So people are going to be weighing both, I would say. Okay. And then do you see any differences in terms of the demographics, psychographics, like, or is this universal, these five traits? Because I think how, again, my child may consume marketing and, and how I might and how my mother might. Uh, are very different. Like my mom just got on Amazon during the pandemic. And in fact, I'm still, she's still using my Amazon account, you know, my Amazon prime account and just sends me stuff and I put it on her credit card. So um, what differences do you see in your study? I would say, and this is, I was surprised when I first saw this because I thought like you that, Oh, it's only going to be millennials. Oh, it's only going to be the younger ones. You know what? The reimagined group of people Mm -hmm. as we're calling them, they cut across demographics. So while convenience might mean something else to your mother than it might mean to your daughter, because your daughter convenience is knock at my door, deliver it to my room, mom. I ordered something that's mm-hmm, convenient. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, my I mom wants it. that now too. It's so so <laughs> quick, so quick, right? Like at first when she got on Amazon, oh yeah, a month is fine. I'm like, no, you actually want the Amazon Prime. It'll come like in the next day or two. And now it's like everything has to like, why didn't it come four hours ago? It's like, mom, it's it's coming <laughs> you know but anyway sorry i interrupted you there you go so it's converging that's my point it's really converging across generations so if the fact that your mom is wanting the same thing as your daughter now seems to be what we're finding in the essential study yeah but then is there homogeny then in in terms of of consumer expectations that that can't be true right because there are still differences of product style you know social media platforms Yeah. And again, you have to take those motivators and look at your business and say, what does it really mean to my business? Because all these motivators that we've been looking at apply to all the industries, right? They might apply to the travel industry where health and safety is super important. They apply to consumer goods and retailers. So they apply to everybody. And my advice always to our clients is take those And look at your company and say, okay, what do I want to leverage where I'm strong at? And what are the absolute must-haves where I might not be strong? Convenience is always number one, right? I do want the product to be in stock and my supply chain to work perfectly. Those are table stakes, but I do want to improve. So you take those five things, look at your strength and say, am I good here? Yes, no, let me advertise it. Let me shout it to the world. And if I'm not good, how can I? So you talked about the Life Reimagined report. And is this primarily to consumers or are we also talking about on the business to business side of things? Because we've talked about supply chain. And so while the consumer might go one or two levels deep, right, a particular product has many parts and this particular chip might be manufactured here, this cover might be manufactured there, and then it's assembled in another location. So how deep does this go and does it matter as much on the B2B side? Mm-hmm. So here we're, we're talking about individual consumers. 
And we're talking about understanding their sentiment, so their feelings. So we're really targeted the consumer. Okay. So now that we know these are the sentiments, these are the motivators. But in terms of for a marketer, there's a lot of things that you know you can do very differently. So have you seen maybe some examples that you've advised your your clients to to do from a marketing standpoint, or maybe just you know after you've provided this information, your clients have done X Y Z and it was very clever. Any any examples that you could share? I can share a couple of uh, of clients and also others that I'm seeing. So one specific example about trust reputation is we are helping our clients a lot. We do have an interactive media company, believe it or not, at Accenture, and we do advertising as well. So we're helping clients a lot manage their brand and their image on social media. So before, a company might not have paid a lot of attention to their Twitter account. (laughs) Well, guess what? Now it's very important when you're doing something good for your community uh, to to make it known on Twitter, or to make it known on Instagram, to watch those accounts. So watching your social brand is becoming more important and we're seeing people pay more attention to that. So whenever they did something great, for example, during COVID, they had trucks outside and they were vaccinating people when they put that up and it's great. You know, when they're encouraging um, their employees or helping them get back to school because they want to showcase how they help their employees. They'd say, hey, back to school program for our employees and they put that up. So managing their own brand and social media, very important. The other thing I've seen, and this is very recent, and I was actually, I noticed this, I was watching TV the other day and I watched all the ads. I don't skip through them because of our job. I want to know yeah, what we're marketers, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And there was a very good one about shopping local. It's Aliment Québec. And there was this lady going through the aisles in the supermarket and she put her products in. And then she had her child following her. He'd remove the product if it wasn't made in Quebec and he'd replace it by something else made in Quebec. So this whole ad was about the lady walking through the aisles with her child who represents the future really saying, well, mom, can you buy more local? Because, you know, so mm-hmm. you're starting to see it. Some companies are starting to take advantage of those because they feel it, right? They, they're feeling the vibe where the sentiments is going. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So I have a question regarding just marketing in general in Quebec, not necessarily on the report itself, but my agency, Ballistic Arts, is located in Western Canada, and, and we service primarily the West Coast from Vancouver to LA. And so mostly in English. And so there's not a real language thing that we need to do. Certainly when we do real estate developer projects and sometimes with the ethnic market, like the Chinese market, we might need to do some language change. But, you know, with, with Quebec being French and English, do you see like when it, when it comes to like social media platforms and, and, and advertising, is it, how do you, it's not like, you know, your, your CBC where you got Radio Canada and then you got, you got CBC, you know, the, the main one, how do you manage the communication when you have two languages? Are you sending out the same tweet in two languages at the same time? Is that, that's, is it as simple as that? Or is there little nuances that you, you want to touch upon that is a slightly different? So depending on how sophisticated you are as a company, first of all, yes, you do it bilingual. I mean, bilingual is important. But what you tend to see in advertising in Quebec, and that's why most companies, and I'm stepping away from our study here, but most companies tend to have very different campaigns in this province versus the rest of Canada. So you tend to do a little bit of a different play on values and culture, right? So you're not going to have exactly the same campaign. And I'll give you another example, right? During the Canadians, when we had our Canadian hockey thing, most of the advertising in Quebec somehow, whether it was a hamburger or whether it was a smoothie or whatever, had the Canadian's hat on it or some kind of uh, wink to Canadians or something Canadians on it. So you had to adapt. You adapt it to the market. So, And then we talked about our kids and, and you said that, or my kid and your kid, not, not our kids, just so that the listeners are clear here. The younger generation are informing us on marketing trends. What have your kids, you said two of them are in their 20s, right? Yeah. What What are you learning from them that you don't necessarily learn from, uh, you know, a large multinational consultancy like Accenture? Yeah. You know what I learned a lot from them is the climate, the future, the sustainability. Yes, it is important to us as, as adults. And yes, we rationalize it to my kids. Like it's crucial, right? I mean, if I don't recycle something, I'm going to get a bad look somehow. It's like, it's my future, mom. It's my future earth that you're talking about. So even um, when they buy things, they're going to take a look. Is it in plastic or is it in a recyclable material that it's going to get at my door? So my daughter would say, oh my gosh, they delivered this to me in plastic versus a cardboard. And she would be upset. So they tend to be very emotional about the environment, and it's one of those values, right? So I would say for my kids, they just give me, I get a view before the research comes out. 
So you kind of have a glimpse. Concept, the values are different. They're really the same values. I just witnessed them live before my research comes out, but it's important to them. So has your background always been market research? That's kind of how you came up? Yeah, I've done a lot in my job. I like to say that my job is to help our clients transform, help my clients transform. If they want to go from A to B, whether it's technology, whether it's realigning their people, their processes in the company. So I used to be for a while focused on marketing. Now it's a little bit broader than that. And it tends to include anything tech people. It's all married together. And how does your marketing experience help inform you on, on some of the, the businesses that you consult with now on a larger scale? Because we certainly have seasoned marketers that are listening in on this. And some of them are probably at the top of their game and thinking, well, is this as far as I go as a marketer? What else can I do? And it seems like that's what happened in your career. How has that benefited you from a career standpoint, having all these years of marketing? Yeah, I would say that marketers in general tends to be attuned to the vibe. They tend to be attuned to cultures. They tend to be observers and we are also data people, right? If you think about 90% of marketers' job is crunching data, looking at data, is the data good? What can I tell about this data? So all those skills are really important to companies now, especially look at the data piece. I mean, it's huge. Everybody needs data now for anything that you do. So whether you're looking at your supply chain issues, you're going to have to look at data. So marketers who are passionate about doing something else, I would say the world is your oyster because you've got all those key skills. And we tend to be very attuned to trends. Like, And this research that I was talking to you about, there's so much in it. Like I devour it where somebody else might say, oh, I don't know what to do with it. Marketers listen and say, okay, I need to do something with data. So basically being able to take that information and actually put it into some real world action is kind of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And be able to identify with it and and work with your colleagues. Marketers are also influencers. When you look at their trends, right? They're influencers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And so that particular trait is an important one to get things done in an organization. So for me personally, my career, especially as a consultant, being able to influence people around me is an important skill that we learned as a marketer. Now, what about things like humor? I was interviewing a fellow from the Clio Awards where they award you know, advertisers and he's the editor of their program. And he said that you know, humor and clever advertising has kind of taken a back seat over COVID because people just really need to get their product out and, and all those kinds of things. Now, with these five motivators, do you see, because they're serious topics, I think some of the things that you're, you're talking oh. about. Does humor have a role to play when it comes to advertising to do something like this? I know you talked about that child and that's kind of cute and keech, but like, mm-hmm. is there room for, you know, lightheartedness in advertising when it comes to these serious motivators? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question. I'm trying to see among the 80 motivators that we yeah, have. Was humor one of them? I don't see it as being listed. That I so we got to be serious now. Is that what you're saying? Like when, when we're advertising, like is everything oh, very? Just, I wouldn't say you know? that. I think it depends so much on your brand and your image and what you want to convey. As long as you stick to those five things, you can do it different way, right? You could be super serious. Trust me, as an organization, right? Or you could be 
whimsical. Mm. So you can trust me because I love my people so much. Okay. So you're saying that the temperament can be different so long as you do touch upon those top five or at least one of those top five in your advertising. Yeah. Stick to your company temperament, right? Mm. I mean, some of my clients in their advertising use humor a lot. Even on, I was telling you that we do a lot of uh, social media and we help with their image. Some of their images are really humorous. So you can mm-hmm. marry. I mentioned to you those Canadians' wings and all. You can have fun too if you marry those values. Very good. Very good. So then with regards to, okay, so COVID, I think we all had hoped and expected that ah, this would be behind us and clearly it's not. And you know now we got supply chain issue shortages, chip shortage, and this transitory inflation that is hasn't been all that transitory. So hopefully, one this will dissipate in the next eight to ten months. Hopefully, right back half of twenty twenty two. You're kind of shaking your head, so you're not, maybe your data is tough. We you, all right, but but I'm I'm wondering, do you? Do you think that these these values are, are you know here to stay? Like, because I I know that as you're saying that this is now these values are are more prominent because of of COVID. It's been accentuated, but those values have always been there, right? I, I know folks that definitely only buy local. Health and safety, climate has definitely been something that's talked about. ESG was already a thing prior to the pandemic. Because I remember actually reading something at the gym about ESG like the day before the shutdown. So it was something that people were talking about. Do you think that these will stay at the forefront, these motivators, or do you think this is a temporary phenomenon due to what's been going on globally? What's very interesting is that we ask consumers, we say, actually, do you think those things are going to stay? So health and safety, for sure, is mentioned as something that is going to stay, that heightened awareness of health and safety that we didn't have before. Shopping local in our holiday survey, which I'd love to talk about uh, in in the future, keeps coming up as something that's going to stay as well. So there are a couple of those that are going to stay. And I would argue too, Ted, that convenience, I mean, once you get used to having that, you know, meal Mm -hmm. to your room, it's going to be tough (laughs) not to have it and to get dressed and go pick up something again versus have it delivered, you know, so... I would argue that some of those are going to stick around. And we just have to relearn how consumers are going to want service from us. So you've been doing this some time now, and you've seen a fair bit in your career. Any advice outside of what we've talked about today to marketers in general, uh, be it for career, be it for their clients? What kind of top advice you would you would give to to someone that you know you're talking to be it mid-career or someone starting out or even senior? The biggest thing, and when I started, marketing used to be about doing surveys, doing focus groups, right? So let's say you ask me, Grace, how much money do you spend on lipstick or on makeup per year? And then I say, oh, $100, right? Because I don't want to look like I'm spending tons of money. And in my head, I'm spending $100 and I really believe it, right? And you might say, okay, focus group, what are you spending on? But in reality, when I go to a store, let's say I'm doing it out of, you know, an afternoon with friends, I might spend $400 in one afternoon for gifts for everybody for Christmas. So my top advice for marketers now is we are now in the age of data. I spoke about data, 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 data. You can no longer just rely on surveys or on focus groups. 
use the data you got. Use the data you got. And that's where we see a lot of our clients investing a lot. Obviously, you have to have the foundation. You can't jump to the data. But once you have the foundation, investing a lot on their data and tailoring, personalizing all those dreams we used to have to say, okay, well, you do generic marketing, mass marketing, and now personalized, right, to the individual, personalized to the moment. Now you're able to do that because you have the data. So they're going to be saying, hey, she lied. She really spends 500 bucks on makeup. <laughs> not 100. She just didn't want to admit it to herself. Right? And don't ask me about sneakers over COVID. I think I've said this a few times on my show where, oh, I got this newsletter about these sneakers. And, you know, oh, bought them. They showed up. Bought them. And I've worn each sneaker. Like I bought so many sneakers over COVID for I don't know why I haven't gone out of my house. I've, I've worn them each like one or two times. Right. So I, I get that, you know, you kind of didn't, you lie a little bit to yourself and like, I don't spend that exactly. much of stuff. And then here you go. Now with regards to data. So you service a lot of larger global organizations and, and is it a hypothesis that they want you to tackle or is it like, how does that engagement typically work? Right. It's like, typically it, business problems start with the business problem. Mm-hmm. And it might be my sales in, let's say, India or Brazil. I'm going to mention mm-hmm. those two countries because they're mm-hmm. top in our study are not doing so well. Why is that? And then that's where you start taking a look at your sales. What are you selling? What are you not selling? And so on. So it starts with a business problem and then you, you work it back from there. Okay. Now you, you talked about Brazil and India, and I actually want to ta- tackle that given, again, uh, folks want to do local, but eventually, you know, just as we're globalizing and, and, and if, you know, health and safety and climate are important, maybe for some consumers and local is not as important. They may be okay with having things sourced from countries that are playing on the same rules, uh, playing, you know, by the same rules as, as it were. But when you have countries that, you know, the political system is less stable, there's, a lot of ethics that are called into question. How do you see that changing and how that message changed for your global clients? You know what's been really, really interesting? My learning from this data too, as I look at the reimagined consumer, and I was surprised by this. If you look at Canada, for example, about 50% of the population is in the reimagined category, what, I, what we just spoke about, and 30% are getting there, and maybe the other 17, 20 are more traditional. In India and Brazil, the percentages are way, way higher. So you're going to have 70% reimagined, 70 uh, Malaysia, I think India, Brazil, Malaysia. So those countries that we would consider are more, you know, have issues <laughs> more mm-hmm. than us are the ones who care the most about those things. And that really surprised Isn't me. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, I was quite surprised to see. So as a marketer, you got to tailor it to the country as well, right? Absolutely. Here we're talking about Canada, but you got to tailor it to the country. And those countries, 70% reimagined versus uh, 50 here. So they care way more than we think. I was very surprised by that. I was reading a book called Factfulness. I can't remember the doctor's name, Dr. Hans. I'm going to screw up his last name, but he's since passed. And he talked about how if you're a marketer or a business and you're looking for fast growth, Africa, in fact, is the place to go. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if your study touches upon that and, and if those values actually, like the continent of Africa, right? Like if any of those values and motivators resonate as much, but 
that growth is you're hearing it on, you know, uh, things like CNBC and BNN. So any mm-hmm. insights there? Let me see. Do we have something for Africa? If I can find it, uh, we can get back to hold, hold on. Do I see any Africa there? Africa doesn't seem to come up as part of those countries. I do see a lot of the Asian countries, Brazil, India, Malaysia, United Emirates being on the top. I don't see Africa there. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's get into our rapid fire round. This is usually okay. kind of a fun, you know, lighthearted part of our conversation, trying to, you know, understand who Grace is as a person uh, okay. and, and what, what makes you tick. So we'll start off with something easy. What's your, uh, what's your favorite cuisine? Favorite cuisine. Oh my goodness. I'm Lebanese. I'm obviously Middle Eastern. You put a, you put a mesa in front of me and I'm a happy person. I could eat for three hours. Do you have a specific dish that, that you would recommend? Oh my gosh. Well, my favorite one, my kid, my favorite dish ever is called Munukiya. So it's, it looks a bit like spinach. It comes in a big bowl. It looks like a faux soup, if anything. It's that type of dish. So it's Munukiya with chicken and rice and you put vinegar and onions. So that would be my favorite one. Very little known. It's Egyptian in origin. But that would be my favorite dish ever. How do you spell it? M-O-U-L-O-U-K-I-A. Okay. Now that I have it recorded. You're going to have to go, go to back. the Eastern store. So you can't just go, you can't just go and, and find a recipe online and make it yourself? You could. You could. Okay. I'm going to try that because I like to cook. You try it. Okay. Try it. If you have Middle Eastern stores, you can go buy it. Perfect. Are you a coffee or tea person? Coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Oh. Uh, how do you take your coffee? I will take it with the almond milk and a little bit of stevia. Oh, stevia. Fancy. Yeah. Fancy. Do you have a life hack that you want to, that you could share? Life hack. I know so much about life hack. I could tell you an easy hack for me, for all of us working at home on PCs right now, is I always put my PC on books so that my neck doesn't do it. So that way I'm looking at you straight. Yeah, I'm so, looking at you with a shoebox. Uh, one of my sneakers, actually. <laughs> one of my sneaker shoeboxes. Yeah, yeah, it's under underneath. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny because a friend of mine came over. Actually, she's from Quebec and she was visiting. And she looked at my setup. She's like, you know, you have money to actually buy something that actually bolsters up. You don't need shoeboxes. Right? I'm like, but it works. It we works. still use old, I use books. There you go. But it saves my neck. It saves my shoulder. It's a lifesaver these days. Otherwise, I'd be like this one. Do you have a particular book that you would recommend? Oh, my goodness. I read a lot of fiction because that's where I get my, you know, creativity or change. So, and I do, I've been reading, uh, in order to practice my Spanish, I've been reading books in Spanish. That, so I'm not going to say particular book, but right now what I'm into practice, I order a lot of novels in Spanish, whether it's about the Civil War, the Franco era, or you name it. I've got like five novels next to my bed in Spanish so that I can That practice. is fantastic. Good for you. So um, of all the languages that you know, which one's the language of love to you? It has to be French. Is that right? Yeah, it has to be French. French always remains the most uh, romantic uh, language. So. Yeah. So my French is, is not good enough to be romantic. It would be, it, if, if I'm trying to... 
Hey. C'est en français qu'on parle la langue de l'amour, Ted. Toujours. Are you a cake person or a pie person? Both. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cake are my favorites right now. It's fall, so I have everything pumpkin. I've got pumpkin outside the doors for Halloween and uh, pumpkin cake and pumpkin pie. So. Well, speaking of Halloween, because Halloween just passed for our listeners, um, favorite Halloween candy? I love the mini chocolate bar. I'm still looking at my stash over there. And I've got coffee crisp, uh, Kit Kat, the Twix. So <laughs> I've got all the chocolate bars sitting right next to me right there looking at me. Milk chocolate, dark chocolate? Milk chocolate. Where would you go once the lockdowns end? Do you have a destination in mind? Got a couple. I actually, right before lockdown, I had bought a trip to Spain and it still hasn't been reimbursed. So I better go to Spain as soon as I can so that I can take advantage of it. So. Are you a are you a winter holiday person or a summer holiday person? Summer holiday, summer holiday. I do like to take a little bit of sunshine during winter, January, February, so that we have built up uh, sun energy for the winter months. So summer mostly. I love anything to do with great weather. All right, cool. So thank you very much. I actually wanted to understand what you think the post-pandemic consumer looks like. Any advice there for our our marketers? Yeah, pay attention to identity, pay attention to values, pay attention to what they want to project into the world and how they want to help people around them. That's really going to change. That's great. And so how can we get access to this Life Reimagined report? You could just go on the web and it's publicly available. You just Google uh, Life Reimagined uh, under Accenture and uh, the report is going to pop up right there for you and you have access to all the study details stats numbers anything you want it's all there that's great and then how can people get a hold of you or can they because you're so busy in data maybe we just go to your website or or how do how do people get a hold of grace yeah well you can always try to reach me via linkedin i'd be very happy to answer anybody there so that's great well hey grace thank you very much for your time it was a real pleasure to speak with you and learn a bit more about data and how that's going to inform us in the future and the changes that have happened over COVID. So thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Ted. Have a great day or afternoon. I don't know where you are, but have a great day. Well, thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.